Well, here we are. And uh, this podcast is called Same Racism, Different Day. Right? And for those of you who have done their very best in society to avoid social media, avoid the news, um, but somehow you're listening to this podcast, the President of the United States, Donald Trump, told four members of Congress, all four women of color, three of them are United States citizens by birth. One is a United States citizen by naturalization. He told all four of them that they needed to go back to the countries where they came from, fix those countries, then come back and then show us what to do. Right? These are the same four women that were engaged in a previously aforementioned debate with Speaker Pelosi about language that was used to single them out and how they felt that was racist. And the president, and I kind of said, hey, watch this because he was defending Nancy Pelosi and talking about Paul Ryan in a negative way. So president doubled down on the Nancy Pelosi defense by attacking these women of color. And then he doubled down on that, that tweet, and basically said, these women are anti-American and should be attacked because of the criticisms they have had toward him and the Republican Party and America, quote-unquote, in general, right? We have seen this before. Now, we have never seen a president of the United States use his bully pulpit so blatantly and so vilely, at least verbally, from his mouth, right? We We have not seen that. We have seen governors in particular, Southern governors. We have seen U.S. senators and U.S. congressmen from former Confederate states and some from not former Confederate states use that kind of language, but never a sitting president because the president has always been the person, right, that's been elected by all 50 states. Not just a particular district or a particular state in a region of the country, right? So that president, policy-wise, may be as racist as anything that could be vilely said, like like what the president did, or use, and definitely social media. The use of social media in such a rhetorical way. Um... Yeah, we just, we we haven't heard the president do it, but the concept is still the same. And the response to it is still the same. And, and it has been some interesting defenses of the non-response, right? 
So let me preference, before I get into the examples, let me preference by my opinion, which is there ain't no defense for that. There's not. So Eric Erickson, who is a respected conservative columnist, right? He's, he's uh, earned his stripes. Uh, I think he was considered one of the most powerful, outspoken conservatives um, at, in America at one time. He, he wrote a piece saying, you can't defend Trump, but because the other folks allow the four congressional women, the four congresswomen or other Democrats to say things that he interprets or that most people interpret as racist or anti-Semitic because they don't get criticized for that. Then, you know, and, and, and well, Democrats, he says, Democrats don't attack them as vociferously as they're attacking Trump, right? But, and that's not necessarily true, but uh, he feels because that's his view. He sees that Democrats say racist things and nobody chastises them as much as a Republican saying a racist thing, include himself, and gets vilified for stuff then he's not going to get into you know, publicly denouncing the president. Although he kind of did with his opening statement, right? He, he said you can't defend what the president said. But then he went into why he's not trying to get on every talk show, I guess, or whatever. Or be like Ann Navarro, who not only called the president out, but called the people out who should be offended more so than any other Republican for what the president said, right? There was a beautiful um, tweet from a guy, a congressman, um, Himes, I think it is, who said, yeah, so I'm not a, I'm a naturalized citizen from another country, um, but my folks are European descent, so Donald Trump wasn't trying to target me. And I'm just as critical, right? Which was basically a double down of what the speaker said, Speaker Pelosi. Well, now just remember, this whole thing started with Trump supposedly defending Speaker Pelosi because these congresswomen of color, Ocasio-Cortez, Oman, Tlaib, and Presley, basically said that Nancy Pelosi was a racist, right? And, and it was an interesting comment in that defense, and I hope people pick that up, when he said, Nancy Pelosi is not a racist. I should know. Not that I've known Nancy Pelosi for years and she's not a racist, she's never done anything. His exact quote was, Nancy Pelosi is not a racist and I should know. Right, And since some people didn't get that, he decided to show you how racist he was. He tried, he, I'm going to show you what a racist does. Nancy Pelosi ain't a racist. I am. Here's the proof. 
And he sends out this tweet saying, go back, go back, go back to your country. Right? I mean, my goodness. Eric, I, I, I feel you, dog. I feel what you're saying about, yeah, anytime somebody says something crazy, the media should jump on it, whether it's me, you, Donald Trump, any U.S. congressman, I get it. And I, I feel your frustration. But I need you to go all in on this one. Just like Ann Navarro's going all in. Just like Geraldo Rivera is going all in. You need to go all in on it. Right? Because you don't like this president. You don't like him. You haven't liked him since he came down and escalated and said he was running. Because you felt that he was a violation of your true conservative values. Now, I challenge that, too. Now, I'm not picking on you, Eric, but that defense that you put out there, that, that, see, that falls right in line with all this other stuff. That, at least that, that opening paragraph, I can take that out and say, even Eric Erickson says, you can't defend what the president said, right? Because there's a bunch of people in the United States Congress that ain't said that. Nothing. And if you and if you remember when when Dr. King wrote that beautiful letter, which was based on whatever paper he could gather while he was sitting in a jail in Birmingham, Alabama. Not only was he attacking the institution of racism in America, but he really went after the folks who were not saying anything about it. He was basically writing a thesis on a statement that Francis Bacon said that evil triumphs when good men do nothing. That's, that's what this is. That's what this debate now is about. We know who Donald Trump is. We know who the president is. We know what is. Lizzie Graham said, Donald Trump is a racist, xenophobic, religious bigot. Lindsey Graham said that. Now, if Lindsey Graham thinks that he wants to have that photo op with Donald Trump so he can win the Republican primary and get reelected in South Carolina, go ahead and do it. But because you said that, and thank God somebody has bought a billboard, and I hope that they can maintain it. And as a matter of fact, the young man who's running the billionaire, that I, I, I get it. You were running the campaign, the, the campaign spending billions of dollars to convince Congress to impeach him. You, like me, realize Nancy Pelosi's not going to push that. So you decided to use your money at this point to run for president so you can get out there and say, well, we're not going to beat Donald Trump. We're not going to get him booted out. Then we're going to boot him out through the electoral process. Okay, great. But I really wish that you had just kind of stayed as that billionaire benefactor and created that and had that pack where it would support people like the man who paid for the billboard that has Lindsey Graham calling Donald Trump what he is and had that billboard, every billboard in South Carolina 
every billboard on every interstate in South Carolina should have that quote for at least two months. So people will understand. And then follow that up with radio ads. And then follow that up with television ads. Right? It's like you can't desensitize South Carolina for that. Yeah, you can't. There is no reason to support. And, and Tim Scott. I know you're in a tough spot, brother. You're a black man in a heavy Republican state. You got a president that might get some of your agenda through as a conservative, but you're still black. And if you ever, ever criticize the president, he gonna call you on it. Who is this black man to talk about me? Oh, he's a Republican? Oh, he's a traitor. Oh no, we can't we must run somebody against him next time he runs. That's the kind of dude you're dealing with. And if you don't call him out on it, you know. And it's like, yeah, Jeff Flake, Bob Corker, okay. Yeah, so you want to still be in public office, okay. But what good are you being in public office if you ain't going to stand up when we need you to stand up? This is a conservative value, by the way, to be anti-racist, to be pro-American, right? That's a conservative value. Just like it's a liberal value. For for different reasons. I think it was Ronald Reagan who said, the beauty of America is you can come from all over the globe and make a claim to be an American over time. You can't go to Turkey and be Turk. You can't go to Japan and suddenly be a Jap- Japanese. You can't do that. But you have to be of the Jewish faith to go to Israel and say you're an Israeli. Can't do it as a Christian, can't do it as a Muslim. But regardless of where you come from in the globe, if you come here and you buy into what we're trying to do positively here, you can become an American. Donald Trump's grandparents figured that out. We'll be right back. So, we left on the point that Donald Trump's grandparents are people that were immigrants, right? So when you tell somebody they need to go back, is it fair for us to say, you need to go back, right? Is it fair? Is it the right thing to say? I don't know. Maybe in your world, I think it is because that's the way that you handle stuff, Mr. President. You you down with confrontation, you know, 
I mean, your wives are immigrants. You know, but, you know, it's more than just immigration, right? You're racist. And there's no reason to defend that. None. I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, dog, cat, whatever. You can't defend that. There's no reason, there's never any reason to defend that unless you are racist yourself, right? And there are people talking about, well, Sean Hannity ghostwrites his stuff. Stephen Miller ghostwrites his stuff. Donald Trump signs off on that stuff. So if the, if all three of them are writing these kind of tweets, they're putting out these kind of statements, they're all racist people. And I've tried in the past in writings and other stuff to be respectful for Sean Hannity, but if he has anything to do with this, he's racist too. Bottom line. And, and people say, you know, he, I mean, he had... A racist dude, a, a a legitimate racist dude as his campaign manager, Steve Bannon, right? David Duke said, yeah, he's, he's our guy. I don't know who David Duke is. Yeah, he do. Yeah, he do. Because you Donald Trump, you know everything. You know everything about everybody. You wanted the Central Park Five. Executed. And turned out they didn't do it. And you ain't apologized for that. You said Barack Obama was not a, an American citizen. You ain't apologized for that. You're racist. Plain and simple. And if you want to support him, right? If you want because of the benefits that this little racist dude can give you, that is the most Machiavellian mindset of all time. But again, the title of this is Same Racism, Different Day. Go back and watch what Barry Goldwater did. Arizona. Wasn't even a state during the Civil War. Arizona wasn't even a state when Barry Goldwater was born. But he felt, as the U.S. Senator from Arizona and the Republican nominee, the impending Republican nominee for President of the United States, in 1964, he broke away from the traditional Republicans, the Abraham Lincoln Republicans, and voted against, along with the Southern Democrats, white Dixiecrats, against the Civil Rights Act. He wrote the book, The Conscience of Conservative. He made the argument for states' rights. which in and of itself states rights is a constitutional privilege, right? Except white people in power in the South have used states' rights for the most evil, maniacal things ever, and you've got a president 
who was born in New York City, who is more vile in his writings and his speaking than a Southern board president named Woodrow Wilson, who the Klan came back to life under. Barry Goldwater, the father of the conservative movement as we know it in America now, reached out in 1964 to disaffected white Democrats who were just being challenged by blacks just to be seated at the opposing party's convention, right? And that hadn't even happened yet <laughs> when Goldwater took his position on the civil rights bill. But it was coming. Everybody saw it coming. And Goldwater was basically opening the door four years later, after you saw what Wallace was able to do, right? Nixon made sure that the door not only was open, but it was propped open for those folks to come in. And now they're here. And now they support people like President Trump, who publicly tells people of color, go back to where you came from. And that's supposed to be okay. Because he pushed the tax cuts that you wanted. He's taken the hardline position of immigration that you want. Which many people can make the argument that that's racist in itself, right? He's taking the positions that you want and stacking the deck in the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade which from your quote-unquote moral standpoint is about not violating the commandment thou shall not kill. But really the truth is it's to honor the sentiments of Theodore Roosevelt who in 1901 said that abortion was genocide of the white race the act of abortion, the practice of abortion was a practice of genocide for white people in America. Look it up if you don't believe it. It's, it's, it's there, right? He said that. And that's been the mindset basically since 1901 and this is 2019. So we, we, we've got to a point here in this country. And, and, and to be honest, man, we, we got to be really, really, you know, I, I think in some places maybe we're too sensitive. In some places we, we may be too callous, right? We just kind of like this emotional way off the scale, unbalanced roller coaster, right? Where we kind of lose focus on basic understandings. When the President of the United States tells members of Congress, of especially of the opposing party, go back where you came from, that's racist. Period. End of discussion. Nobody should defend that for no reason. 
Everybody should say, Mr. President, you are wrong. Don't do that no more. Now, the folks on the opposing party are supposed to say, that's why we're going to vote you out. And we're going to get the people to get you out. We're going to campaign against you. We got 20-some people wanting to run against you. We're going to narrow it down to one. We're going to get you out. But the people within that same party the president's in are supposed to say, don't do that again. Because it jeopardizes what we're trying to do. Right? People don't care about you cutting their taxes if they think you're a racist. People don't care if the unemployment rate is going down because they think you're a racist. It taints what you do. And if you are too stupid to understand that, then you don't need to be the leader of that particular party, let alone the nation. Even if you feel that way. If you're a Republican and you're advising the president, even if you feel that way, Mr. President, you can't say that. You can't. But there is nobody, (laughs) nobody in this group of folks we call elected officials in Washington or anywhere else that is man or woman enough to say that to them publicly, let alone privately. Because this guy holds a grudge. So let me just, for those of you who think that you can go through politics naively and not piss somebody off that has a position of power and influence and they're going to hold a grudge and campaign and run people against you all the time. If you don't think that's going to happen to you, if you think you can avoid that, then maybe politics is not where you need to be because The general concept of the politics is that all you need is 50 plus one. If you get 100% of the vote, that means nobody ran against you. Right? And in some cases, depending on how unpopular you are, that's not even guaranteed, right? But the only way you're going to get 100% for sure is nobody runs against you. Once somebody runs against you, then it's like they start off at 50-50 and then based on their skill set, right, is where the margins change. And so if you, if you, if you ain't got, if you ain't got the, the, the temerity, the guts, the uh, fortitude to withstand the challenge from somebody that might be more powerful than you, that might have more resources than you, to stand up for what you believe is right, to stand up for what is in the best interest of the constituents that you're supposed to represent. If you can't withstand that, there ain't no need for you to be there, period. Playing it safe in politics is not being engaged in politics, period. The best way you can be a safe politician is to never be one. The minute you step forward and say, I'm running for public office, one, you're a politician, two, you're not safe. Because somebody's going to criticize you for something, even if it's somebody from elementary school that said that you took their lunch money. Somebody's coming. And you got to deal with that. Because if you strongly believe in the principles of doing right by people, by trying to change it, 
I don't care if you have a liberal philosophy or conservative philosophy. If you have a mindset that you want to help the constituents that you were elected to serve or you want to be elected to serve, then there are times when you see bad things happening, you got to say something about it. Even if it's your friends. That's why the Congressional Black Caucus has this quote that says, no permanent friends, just permanent interests. Because sometimes your friends ain't your friends on certain things. They're not going to be your ally on certain votes. They're going to leave you out there twisting in the wind, whether you deserve to be or not. But the interest should always be the same. Making America great is not a marketing, should not be a marketing phrase. It should be a mission statement, right? But America could never be great if America continues to perform the original sin. That's bottom line. As long as racism is allowed, right? Institutional racism is allowed to to permeate our politics, to dictate how a certain group of people identify themselves and they have comfort in knowing that everything's going to be okay. America is never going to be great. It may be better than other countries, but it's never going to be great because it's never going to live up to its full potential. You can't sit there and tell me that America is all that and a bag of chips. You got a president that's telling folks to go back where they came from. And you ain't gonna you ain't gonna stand up for it because you mad because of other times that people didn't call out racism. Stop that. Stop that. President of the United States, Lindsey Graham was right, is a racist, xenophobic, religious bigot. And if he's not going to be impeached, he needs to be defeated. Until next time.